You are listening to the Bookcase Podcast, a book study from the team at Case. Every other month, we choose a book that is meaningful to us, and you'll hear from education leaders across the state with fascinating perspectives about what we've read. If you want to check out the books we'll be discussing in future episodes, look at our website, www.co-case.org backslash podcasts so you can read along with us. each start by introducing ourselves. I'll lead off. I'm Melissa Gibson, Case Director of Communications and Strategic Partners. I'm Bridget Mutter. I'm Assistant Director of Research and Assessment in Boulder Valley School District, soon to be Director of Research and Evaluation in Thompson School District. I'm Lorinda Sampson, the Principal of Ponderosa Elementary School, the 2019 um, Distinguished Principal of the Year, and ending 37 years in education this year. Wow. Um, My name is Jeremy Burmeister, and I am Business Services Director at Platte Valley School District in Kersey, Colorado, which is about 10 miles east of Greeley. Well, thank you for joining us. I think this is going to be a really nice conversation and some diverse perspectives. Everybody, I think, comes at this from a different angle and different job positions. So I'm interested in your take on the book. Um, What resonated most strongly with you about the book? If you had to sort of rattle off one or two things um, that really resonated with you when you read the book. So uh, I think two or three things really resonated with me. One, um, I really appreciated the connections and the stories and the historical figures that the author uh, included with her with her in her book. It makes it interesting to read and allows you to have connections with the research and and real life and, and specifically. Um, Rosa Parks, you know, for whatever reason, I don't know why that really resonated with me versus uh, Wozniak from Apple or who business world. Right. Um, But for me, the the Rosa Parks aspect of things really resonated with me um, and how she kind of came to be that key instrumental figure and how her approach was the perfect finding, for lack of a better word. Uh, for that specific moment in time. And so that that really resonated with me. Um, additionally, the author speaks, um, you know, whether intermittently throughout the book, um, as well as, as in some podcasts about there is no 100% pure introvert, 100% pure extrovert, right? And, and I think oftentimes we get caught up in being identified or labeled or as specific things or qualities, whatever it may be. And that's just truly what you are. Um, when in reality, there's a kind of a spectrum or continuum. So I really appreciated that um, in the book. I really like Jeremy. I really like your point about that. It's not labeling. It's really this fluidity between introversion and extroversion, depending on the situation. 
Um, I think for me, I love the basic premise that there is power in being an introvert, that it's such a simple and compelling celebration of um, people who are more cerebral and more introspective, and also acknowledging that there are more of us, that it could be as much as a third or half um, of people out there. So I really appreciated just recognizing the value of an introvert and some of their traits are things that lead to more creativity and problem solving. But I also really appreciated that the book provided a cautious model towards American culture, really in, in like giving that historical perspective, how we used to value character and how it's really shifted to personality. And I think there's a really compelling, I don't know if it's an argument or if it's really just a matter of fact that in our culture, both aspects of business and schools that we really have to consider this shift of open concepts and group projects. And, um, and I'm one that values collaboration, but I really think it's, it's an important thing for us to talk about. And I know we're gonna talk about chapter 11 and education more specifically, so I won't go into that. I'll just, um, I'll just mention the collaboration between Wozniak and Jobs, because while it's obvious that Wozniak was a power introvert, um, the collaboration of the two, that you still need that synergy and you need those connections to happen. Um, so I'll, I'll leave with that. And just to kind of piggyback, I think the pieces that most resonated for me were how important it is to have both introverts and extroverts in our world. And the, the wonderful tips on how you communicate between introverts and extroverts and how you balance that. And the fact that some of us are not all introvert, well, we're all, none of us are all introvert or all extrovert, um, but what each um, personality type, if that's what we want to call it, um, what they bring to the table. And um, I just kind of want to piggyback on what Bridget has said. It's really important that as we go through life and we go through education or we go through um, work teams to really recognize um, how to bring out the best in introverts and extroverts and balance out that collaborative time with that um, introspective time or that cerebral time, um, because that's where you'll maximize creativity and solutions. Um, I, I found the communication chapter to be quite helpful um, mm -hmm. just because it helps create a stronger understanding mm -hmm. um, between people and among people. And then I guess the flip side of that, uh, were there any portions of the book that you disagreed with or that sort of gave you pause that maybe didn't ring quite as true based on your perspective or experiences? You know, there really wasn't much that gave me pause. I think um, maybe it's just because I'm becoming older in life and was I was really able to take a look at each perspective that was put forth in the text and really be able to say, wow, what can I learn from this mm -hmm. to help me understand people I work with better or ch especially children? How mm -hmm. can I bring out the best in kids? So I can't say that there was anything in the book that really pushed back hard on my belief system. I think I'd agree with you. Um, 
I I kind of would like to ask that question to a proclaimed extrovert <laughs> to see if there's anything they would disagree with. Because I think I lead more introvert to ambivert. So I didn't, there was really nothing substantial I agreed with. Uh, I even appreciated that physiological connection around the thick skin versus thin skin people. Um, yeah, I thought it was a great compilation of information. You know, so I think a couple of things jumped out at me. One, um, and Bridget, you alluded to it a little bit, and I picked up on it. It, it implied that there has been this transition from really appreciating quiet, thoughtful, introverted individuals to more outgoing, extroverted society. And, you know, you and I'm not sure if I agree with that or not. Um, there's definitely, I believe, a, a more of an emphasis on pop culture. And, and, and I think you can see that coming out through advertising and whatnot, the um, emphasis on me. And but I, I, I don't know. I just I don't know if I agreed with the. Um, implication that that uh, Susan put out there in that book at least that's that's what it seemed like to me that maybe it was an over overly implied uh, belief um, now that said you know I think back of you know, when you think of individuals from the greatest generation they very much kind of go about their business and they're not putting the spotlight of them on themselves so I might be contradicting myself a little bit there um, but I think it was just came across as too much in my mind. Um, the other part that I disagreed with, and again, it, it seemed like it was implied, is that there's this belief that introverts cannot be strong leaders. Mm -hmm. um, and oftentimes I think it's uh, less, less that is said can be more. Um, and she gave really great examples of her personal story uh, when she was in the negotiations for the, for the very first time. But the theme that kind of rung through was this perception that that is not accurate. And maybe she really set out to disprove that in her book. That, that could be. But that was just something that kind of came across to me as, a, as I was reading it. I think and that's you're, really interesting. You've got kind of a good foreshadowing, Jeremy, because that's the question coming up here. Um, right after the next one, that issue of um, can introverts be strong leaders and, and what does that look like? Um, thinking a little bit differently just about the positive traits introverts have, one of the things I really love about the book is it sort of um, looks, looks head on at the assumption I think so many folks have, and I think certainly that society has, which is that being an extrovert is the ideal um, and is sort of the preference and is the most charismatic and, you know, all of those um, positive things, which it, it certainly is very positive, but it isn't the only positive, certainly. Um, so of the positive qualities that introverts have that the author talked about, um, did any of those sort of surprise you? Um, or were they any qualities that she talked about that you sort of hadn't expected or hadn't thought about before through the lens of being an introvert? You know, I think the piece where introverts are methodical and deep thinkers, mm -hmm. um, 
I don't think that a lot of people really have that deep understanding and Mm -hmm. um, would classify that as a characteristic of an introvert. Mm -hmm. And that brings so many strengths to the table to be that deep, deep thinker, to, to have to go through um, very methodically and plan and think through a situation and develop um, action steps. And so I think a lot of times the general public thinks of introverts are, are, are very shy people or, or withdrawn and not very capable when in fact, the opposite is very true. And that'll lead into the next part of our discussion. They make for some pretty amazing and powerful leaders because they lead by example and they mm-hmm. complement um, because they're so darned reflective. Mm-hmm. Um, so they see things that sometimes extroverts might miss. Mm-hmm. I thought that was pretty powerful. Bridget and Jeremy, what would you add? Were there any any points the author made in terms of those positive qualities introverts have that um, surprised you or just sort of made you think a little bit differently? I don't, I think for me, not really. Um, Where I started thinking differently was more applying it. Like, how do you really leverage the strengths of introverts Mm -hmm. when we think of young students? And for me, I think of my own children who are now young adults at 19 and 21. So when I read that section, I felt a little more guilty. (laughs) (laughs) If I read this book years ago. Um, No, I mean, I think it was more the application of the things. And then if I think of myself as an introvert, I do laugh at the idea of saying, oh, yeah, I'm modest, (laughs) because an introvert would never say that. So I don't know. No, nothing really surprised me. Um, I think the distinction between shyness and being introverted was interesting to me and not something I thought of. Um, I, I would say that was the one aspect that kind of, oh, oh, you know, kind of my aha moment. And then for the qualities that she talked about and those that you may have already known and been thinking about prior to reading the book, Um, do you see any of those in yourself or have you worked with anyone that's really embodied any of those qualities in a powerful way? Um, and what's been the impact of that? So if this is about yourself, you're going to have to take off the modesty hat a little bit here. Um, but I'm just curious about how that translates into that actionable outcome. What, what does that look like if it's either you or someone you've worked with closely, who's really had one of these positive qualities that they've led with as an introvert, what's been the impact of that, both on the work and on their interactions with other people or your work, your interactions with other people professionally? You know, I think about learning how to balance a leadership team with extroverts, ambiverts, and introverts. And you, you may have a task and always those extroverts, they'll jump right in. They've got ideas, they get going, they get the work done. They want to work together. They bounce ideas off. And there's always one or two people who are very, very quiet and they don't add in. But when they speak, and this happens every year, when they speak, they've taken everything in and they add the most profound insights to a leadership team or to a group that allows um, a new solution or 
um, a new lens that just takes everyone to a higher level. Um, so one of the things that I've learned to do, because I am an ambivert, everybody always thinks I'm an extrovert. Um, but if I do not get that, that quiet time to re-energize and to fill my soul, I am totally ineffective. Uh, so one of the things I've learned is how do you create different opportunities to get every voice in the room? And I've allowed, as part of our protocols, to just wait for those introverts and just say, okay, Melissa, we haven't heard anything from you today. What are you thinking? And then when they speak, everyone stops and listens and says, oh my gosh, how'd you come up with that? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think being very intentional around who you surround yourself with and being intentional about how you bring out those qualities in, in all of your stakeholders um, really takes an organization or a solution to a much higher level. So. I think that's been an exciting part. Um, I read this book many, many years ago and then just reread it. And I always get really super excited about how do I plan intentionally to bring out the best mm-hmm. of people. That's great. That's great. Definitely actionable. And my weird actionable. It's always what can you take from it and put into practice? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Jeremy and Bridget, what would you add to that? I mean, I, I agree that I see value in having both introverts and extroverts on a team, and it's really that yin-yang balance between the two. Um, in terms of how it positively impacts my work, I think it's really the awareness of your colleagues and the people you work most closely with, your supervisor or your direct reports, to get the best out of them, right? Uh, so, So if you have a more of an introvert on the team, that you're really giving them space to work and ensuring you're getting their input. I, I find I'm, I've become self-aware and even more so now from reading this book is, um, you know, I'll slide along the scale of introversion, extroversion to balance who I'm with. So if I'm working with a more introverted person, I think I've just become more extroverted and sometimes it's to a fault because I have to make sure I'm not talking too much. I love the two ears and one mouth piece to balance talking less and listening more. Um, and then conversely, when I'm working with someone who's full of energy, my safer place is just sitting and absorbing everything they're saying and just processing it. So I think it's really good to have that awareness of the value of both and then to kind of feed from those people, depending how they are, you know, just like in, in, in work on a team, we create more and you sort of bring out the best in everybody. If you can see what side of the scale they're at and to give them pause. Cause I love that piece about, about recharging where you get your energy from and where your energy gets drained. And it's really important to both appreciate that in yourself and then the people who you work with. So I think a couple of things, if if we're talking about the question about can introverts be a strong leader, then um, the answer is obviously yes, right? I mean, um, if there's one thing that any of us have learned throughout this whole COVID pandemic is that there is no absolute or guarantee in life. Uh, I just, so absolutely introverts as well as extroverts or ambiverts, wherever you wanna put people on, on that scale, can absolutely be strong leaders. 
And it's a matter, it's a matter of how you get people to leadership is about getting people to, to follow and buy in and et cetera. Right. So it's about how, how you approach that. Um, and Bridget mentioned being aware. And I think both Bridget and Lorena men- mentioned being self-aware. Um, what I really appreciate about this book is it was another opportunity for me to, to learn a little bit more about myself and maybe a, a research way. So one of the things I picked up on was ways to have those connections, right? I, I do not naturally, and maybe extroverts don't enjoy uh, small talk, but um, I, if I'm in a, in a crowd or a group of people, um, my, my need to or desire to be in that crowd or group of people is minimal. I mean, 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes, and I'm just like, okay, the, I, time to move on. I, I need to. I need to step away. Now, some people will believe that's antisocial, and, and I, I, I don't think people that truly know me well would view me in that light that I'm antisocial, and that's maybe one of those uh, things that's a um, a misconception of being introverted. But um, going back to the original piece of it, it's figuring out ways to connect. So. One of the things that I did uh, when I was uh, first in, in building administration as an assistant principal and athletic director, um, I wrote thank you notes or uh, very personalized um, uh, notes on, on Christmas cards or end of the year type things, you know, just showing gratitude. I've always tried to be authentic. And, and so when people receive those things from me and what I put in them, they knew it was genuine. Um, and that, that creates a a sense, I think, I hope, uh, of leadership at that point in time. It's about, again, getting people to, to, uh, be willing to, to buy into who you are as a leader. Um, I I think the other aspects of of being introverted, um, I had a, a boss tell me one point in time that I was extremely focused and I would spot on agree with that. I, I, I can become focused to a fault. Um, but the plus side of that is it allows you as an individual to really take into in-depth consideration when you're looking at uh, the issues that you're trying to address or, or work through and deal with. Then it becomes a matter of how quickly you can make those decisions based upon that information you get, right? But because um, I think being focused is a very strong um, quality for, for individuals that are that tended lean, lean, more introverted. That's great. And I, I I think, Jeremy, you kind of put voice to the the sense that absolutely introverts can and are strong leaders. Learned of Bridget, you guys would concur with that, I think, based on our conversations. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think Susan Cain had a position for introverts being strong leaders, too. Um, when when I read this question about it, it really made me think of Jim Collins' book, Good to Great, mm-hmm. when he mm-hmm. described level five leaders. And the level five leader is really more humble and is creating a system that's not dependent on themselves. So when they leave, the company doesn't fall apart. So I, I absolutely think um, introverts can be strong leader. And I and I actually think the secret sauce to it might not even be if you're introverted or extroverted, but it's more that focus, what Kane called that um, personal project, which I personally always talk about my passion projects, 
things that get me really excited and just so focused on impact or change. And that I think whether you're an introvert or an extrovert, when you have that clear focus, you you lead without realizing it because you're so excited that you're bringing people along and you're working in such a depth that you're really accomplishing something. So, so I really like that focus element, even if it seems like it might come from an introvert role, I think anyone can have it when it's something that, it, that like, you know, just pulls their strings for passion and meaning. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I, you know, it's, it's funny that you um, were just asking us to chime in as to whether or not we agreed with um, introverts can be strong leaders. And my last three end of year um, evaluation meetings um, that I had today, all of um, the final comments that I made with these three people were, thank you for your quiet leadership. Mm-hmm. Your leadership speaks volumes in our building because you're leading by example. You're very thoughtful. When you speak, people listen because you don't have to speak all the time. And so to kind of go back to where Jeremy was talking about, you know, a leader inspires people and, and helps them come along with the vision and the mission. Um, it's those quiet leaders that do that work that have such an incredible focus and they don't need to be heard. They just do the right work for the right reason. And that's what helps bring a building forward. And so I absolutely think introverts can be powerful leaders. Um, They're worth following because they're not, they're not talking too much like I am right now. Not at all. That, that, um, section of the book specific to uh, leadership as it relates to introverts and what that can look like. It um, it made me think, and it's typically around election time. So often you hear the pundits or sort of when the average Joe or Jane is interviewed on the news, you know, I just don't think I'd want to have a beer with them about whomever the candidate is. And it gets at that idea of they're thinking, how outgoing is this person? How much would I just like to sit down with them and talk? And what would that be like? And that has nothing to do with the kind of leader um, they'd be. And I don't know why that jumped into my head, but I think just that stereotype and that misconception that, well, surely if they're outgoing and someone I could just see sitting down with having a beer, lemonade, iced tea, you know, whatever your drink of choice is, but that whole idea that then they, they'd have my vote. They'd be great. Um, and what a misconception that is, um, but how certainly historically and I think stereotypically that is a value our society has around leadership and what that should be. So I know Lorinda touched on it and said she's an ambervert, but I wonder if each of us could share what do you consider yourself, introvert, extrovert, ambervert? Yeah, it, uh, funny. I, and I think, you know, Almost any of those personality quizzes that come along for any of them, I'm always like almost right in the middle. Yeah. Emergenetics, almost balanced. Um, And for years, I could not understand my introverted qualities. I couldn't understand why I needed so much alone time when I was spending so much time in these extroverted activities. And I think the first time I read this book, I went, aha. I get my energy from being able to have alone time working and then working on a team or start with a team 
and then go and do that deep and methodical work. And having that alone time to recharge is critical, critical. Mm -hmm. Um, And and I've learned that's when you are, for me anyway, and my introverted friends are their most creative. Um, And my energy will get drained if I am in that extrovert world for too long. Um, That's what Susan Cain calls the sweet spot, right? The knowing, knowing how you thrive, knowing those situations that are going to fill you up versus deplete you. Mm -hmm. And so I think, you know, learning that I think is a lifetime. When I was younger, Mm -hmm. I would have sworn that that assessment was wrong. I'm a total introvert. And now as I'm almost 60 years old, I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I am much more introverted than I, I understand it better too. Jeremy, what about you? What about me? Um, well, I've never really thought of myself in terms of introvert, extrovert, you know, uh, up until, uh, I don't know, I guess reading this book, I, I would say that I've, you know, upon self-reflection and, and, and remembering, you know, comments from my wife and some work experience, I would definitely lean more towards introverted. Um, you know, so my wife will always tell me, she's like, you know, she is very much extroverted and, uh, she'll, she'll, she'll have 10, 15 people that she can talk to and they'll, they'll kind of instantly connect. But the comment she'll always make to me is that they don't, they're not lasting relationships. Whereas you have a handful of three, four, five individuals that you really get to know extremely well. And you tend to stay in touch with and and have a really long lasting friendship, whatever it might be, um, as opposed to her that people kind of come and go in and out. So that that's one thing. Um, I remember Additionally, so prior to coming to where I'm at right now, I was at Longmont as the assistant principal and athletic director. And prior to that, I was at Highland, which is a small uh, school district up here as well. Um, and just the feeling that I had after leaving work between the two dif- the districts, um, between leaving Highland High School, which is a school of 240 kids, versus Longmont High School, uh, a school of about 1,200 kids was completely different. I was utterly exhausted and quite frankly, not in a happy place after leaving work. And it's because I was surrounded by nonstop chaos um, at at Longmont High School, just the sheer amount of people in and out every single day. Um, And and I think in retrospect, that's just because of who I am and and me leaning more in that introverted uh, way. And so um, those are some things that I've really kind of learned that by and large, I, I lean more introverted. However, uh, um, I love going to, to concerts, you know, so when I'm in that kind of atmosphere, 20, 30,000 people don't bother me, but, um, it, it goes back to that spectrum piece, I guess, right. That there's aspects of it and we're not one way or the other. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I've already described myself, I think, introvert more in nature, but sliding along the scale because um, because like you mentioned that um, situationism that Kane mm-hmm. described that really how we have innate personal characteristics, but that situations really change us. And obviously our personality is 
a collection of our experiences over time. Um, so I definitely can get excitable and that's not, that's more extroverted. Um, and, you know, I think, I think with sometimes being an introvert, some people won't even realize that you're an introvert unless you get to know them. Um, because in the work, like at work, you sort of, you like play a role too. So you, you know, you might use a lot of your energy up, but it's part of the job. Um, I really liked a couple of things that Jeremy said. I think it's really important. You know, Jeremy, you described like having a few intimate relationships and those deep connections, and that's critical um, for introverts, but also like that, that it could be hard for introverts to make connections with people, but it's our human nature to desire connections. And really when we think of whether it's colleagues or whether it's our children or our students in school, like really ensuring that their introverts are being celebrated, but they're finding opportunities to make connections with other people. Um, so they are not isolated. Um, and then I also liked your point about acknowledging the big, you know, just the feeling spent in a large high school. And um, it, it feels like it's a good transition just thinking about students, right? And that the school environment is not necessarily set up for everyone to thrive, adults and children. Yeah, you know, Bridget, you talking about the, um, echoing Jeremy's point about sort of a chaotic environment or and, and the effect that has. Um, I love I love the fact that this book just sort of provides permission, I think for lack of a better word, to be that way. Um, and I, I do lean towards the introvert side of things, um, which I think sometimes surprises people. Um, but I, it is my absolute worst nightmare to have something every night of the week um, causes huge anxiety and stress. And, you know, I got an, I got an invitation to our block party, for example. And my first reaction was, okay, okay, I can do this. And, but I'm thinking in my head, oh my God, small talk, like over the dip, we're going to be standing over the chips and dip and there's going to be the small talk. And, and I'm excited about it. It'll be great. I love my neighbors. It'll be fun. But my first reaction is, okay, this is going to require some effort on my part. And it's not that I don't enjoy the people, but the situation um, requires effort if it's not how you naturally lean. Um, so I just, I love that notion of um, legitimizing, giving permission to how you're wired and how you interact with the world, um, for lack of a better phrase, I think. Let's um, cover our last question here because we're we're coming up on time when we need to close. And that's chapter 11, um, which is called How to Cultivate Quiet Kids in a World That Can't Hear Them. Um, I love, just love that name of that chapter. I think that is so well put. So the author mentioned in the book that she focused specifically on children who are introverts to help educators and parents know best how to interact with and understand them. Um, and I, I guess I would just love your reaction to that concept. Um, introverted kiddos and how they might be misunderstood, um, both as a parent, as an educator, but really what stood out to you um, through this chapter um, and through that whole concept? 
think the greatest is how very important it is to be intentional in planning lessons, your day and your activities. We all need to learn how to collaborate, but there are many different ways to collaborate. And I remember being so embarrassed and so ashamed of myself when I read this book the first time, because it was during that time um, when cooperative work structures and collaboration were huge. And I was planning all of these cooperative and collaborative activities in the classroom and making sure that every kid was engaging in them. And boy, I was really pretty unaware of how hard it was for some of my quieter kids. They did it. And I think it was just out of um, a love for their teammates and they felt safe with their teacher, but it was, I just thought, oh my gosh, I'm draining these poor kids. No wonder their parents are calling me at the end of the day saying, what's going on? My kid is a mess when they come home. And so it really created a shift in practice and to make sure that there are opportunities to work alone, that there are quiet times, that there are times and, and to give a lot of choice and voice. And not only to have those times, but also different ways to show what you know. Um, and you could just see just a transformation. Um, you saw happier human beings. You saw more productive human beings. And then I think my last one is I watch in COVID since it's still with us. The teachers who have done the best in COVID are the introverts, in my experience. Um, they are in their happy place and they are rock stars with kids and connecting and relationships and small groups because it, it is this balance. They don't have to go as many places. They don't have to do what Jeremy said, walk out after all of this chaos. They're pretty much in their own room and they have these deep connections with their kids and they walk out smiling every day. And the extroverts are still walking out going, when are we going to touch each other? When can we all be together again? But the extroverts are really quietly and some not so quietly saying, I hope it never changes because I'm in my happy place. So um, I, I think this book just really helps us be more intentional and bring out the best in our introverts as well as on our extroverts. Mm -hmm. I, I love that you use the word intentional because it, it actually made me think of something else. It made me think more of um, trauma-informed planning and that like they speak about intentional environments, right? So it's like, it's really predictive and it, it diffuses unnecessary energy and it helps those students who can't self-regulate, who are coming from trauma, be able to get more settled and be able to participate in the learning. So I really appreciate that, that that helps, what helps an introvert helps, you know, diffuse challenging situations. And maybe that's in part why those um, introverted teachers did well in such a <laughs> traumatic year of, of chaos. Um, I, I also liked, um, I, I love the notion of helping youth find their, their passion. Right. Like, so they're, if they're not comfortable, um, something that intrigues them, because then they have that focus that over time they become highly competent and then that gives them um, confidence. So I really appreciated that and, um, and that we all like need to find our passions, but really helping students do that. A couple specific examples that the chapter gave 
needing like the idea of avoiding labels on children. Um, and that, you know, that misnomer that being an introvert doesn't mean you're shy and you're not antisocial and, um, and really avoiding labels. And then the idea of, of giving students choice and having agency so that if it is group projects, you have different ways of doing it or um, even letting them do their own project if they have some ideas, but really enjoying ensuring students have agency in their learning environments. Um, you know, I mean, Kane said that sometimes students only blossom after school because the school environment itself diminished that child's uniqueness to blossom. So I think that's that's really important. And then the last thing that I appreciated too was humility when she gave examples of a teacher connecting with her that relating that they were a quieter child too that that's not a bad thing, even though larger cultural ones, loud and energetic and um, personalities. So those are the main things. I think, um, and I'm gonna apologize in advance. I, I might be mixing up something I, I heard from a podcast versus what I actually read in the chapter here. But um, one thing that jumped into my mind was uh, pedagogy and then hearing her. Or, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to speak to a podcast. So I apologize, but I think it's, it's relevant. Hearing her speak to um, teachers grading based upon part, active participation in class and speaking and raising their hands, I, I just I kind of threw up on my mouth a little bit like, no, that should not be the case. That's that's not good pedagogy, right? And, and so there's the business guy with his instructional background there. Um, <laughs> there are a lot of ways to gauge participation. And it's not just mm -hmm. the raising hand constantly, kiddo. It's, it's the individual that's actively writing down questions, taking notes, um, you know, having maybe an appropriate side conversation with, with a, a table partner, whatever it may be. There are a lot of ways to gauge participation. And, and so um, the pedagogy piece is kind of where I went to. Uh, the other thing that was really interesting to me is the pendulum swinging, right? And, and so um, this is my 14th year in education. I was in the classroom for three years and then um, building administrator for seven and in and, and my current role for four now. Um, but uh, those of you that have been around a little bit longer than not, than me, uh, and this is always stated in education, it's not a big surprise, but the pendulum swings, right? And, and so it was interesting to hear her say that with regard to open spaces and, and construction, et cetera, et cetera. Um, trying to create environments of forced collaboration um, and, and just the importance of having good pedagogy with intention, once again, as, as Lorenda and Bridget alluded to, um, and not forcing that collaboration, I, I believe, is, is um, extremely important. So those were my takeaways from, from this chapter. And again, I apologize, maybe some podcasts I listened to because I was interested. 
I I just think it's um it's so telling about the rich information she shares that um everyone has I I just think such important insights from um that single chapter um there's so much to think about and and unpack there um and I really you know when I read that chapter I really read it um as a mom and as a parent, um, I parent an extrovert and an introvert. And my my son, who's the introvert, would say all the time to his sister, "Hannah, you're just so extra. You're good. You're so extra." Um, and I knew exactly what he meant. the The introvert in me was like, "Man, buddy, I get it. It's it's a lot. It's the words. It's the energy. It's all of that. It's a lot." Um, and as a mom, teaching them both what being an introvert means, which what being an extrovert means, um, I think. And- maybe it's because I'm a word person. I, I think that power of language is so important. But the other night, my son said to me, he goes, mommy, can we just sit on the couch and introvert together? <laughs> of course, first, my reaction was like, yeah, all night, every night, let's do that. That's my dream too. Um, but I just thought, man, this is so cool. My 11-year-old has this concept. And um, I wish when I was 11, I had had that framework that this is just who I am. And it's great. It's fine. As opposed to, man, why is she so outgoing? And I'm not, should I be more outgoing? And um, similarly, my daughter um, feels so good about who she is as a little person and this fiery, feisty little extrovert in the world. So what a, what a cool framework for kids to have too, in terms of that self-awareness. Um that I certainly didn't have. Um, I, I just think that's so cool. Any any last points anyone would like to raise? Things we didn't get to, things that really jumped out at you from the book that we haven't talked about? This isn't really what we're talking about, but I would highly recommend this book for teachers and parents. Mm-hmm. You know, as you were talking, all I could think of is um, leaving it on the table for my 20-year-old to read as he's pondering and struggling through right now um his introversion and trying to figure himself out as a result of of just where he's at in life and I think oh if he were to pick this up he might just say wow I get it I get myself better I'm okay I'm really okay yeah I have a 21 year old introvert too. I've suggested it to him as well maybe we could get them to start by listening to this podcast. Because they're wonderful. And when I read this book, I was like, you're a power introvert. You're awesome. It's a celebration. And then he's like, it's a label. It's not who I am. And I was like, I messed up. (laughs) That's exactly what my son said, Bridget. Exactly. Mom, I'm tired of labels. It's not who I am. I'm a person, not a label. You got exactly, exactly. Well, guys, we're at 12.06. We're six minutes past when I told you we'd end. And I just can't thank you enough um, taking time at any point during the year, but especially three weeks before the end of the school year during a pandemic. Um, This was a heavy lift and a big ask. So truly, thank you so much for rereading the book and um, thinking about these questions and and taking the time to discuss them together. It was so fun to hear everybody's um, insights about the book. Thank you. I feel really lucky to have gotten to meet Jeremy and Bridget today. So likewise. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks, you guys.